Like, just touch all the fans and like point at them and like blow them all kisses. And like, it just was so, it was so special for me because like, I really miss them. What's up everybody, Ryan Satin here. We're back with Out of Character. We've got an awesome guest this week. The one, the only, Natalia Neidhart. Natalia, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this all week. I have also been looking forward to this all week because I have been a WWE fan for so long and you've been in the company for as long as you have. I feel like we have so much to talk about. If I'm going over someone's you know, entire <laughs> career arc, there's a lot of points to talk with when it comes to you and your character. So I might not be able to cover everything, but there's some stuff I wanna talk about. But first and foremost, I wanna ask you this because you know, I've watched Total Divas, I've talked to you in real life and you know, with some people, their character is very different than the person they are in real life. So with you, I'm wondering, how much of you, the person, your real true self is there in the character of Natalia? It's funny because Total Divas really allowed me to kind of show the world that like, it's, it's like, I've heard Steve Austin say it. It's like, we're kind of like blown up extents of who we are in real life. Like my character in the ring, Natalia, whether I'm playing the role of a good girl or a bad girl, heel or baby face, like it's really just kind of a, bigger, more blown up extension of me. And I think all the girls, I guess safe to say that we all like playing the role of a heel. Um, and you know, anybody that doesn't know what a heel is, it's basically the role of the bitch. Uh, <laughs> I, I love being a heel, but I, but I also play a natural baby face too because of my career and how things have gone. And I've, I've always sort of been an, a natural underdog, but, but really like Total Divas allowed people to see so much more about me. And, and I really have been able to parlay that into the ring because the more the audience feels emotionally connected to us, um, the more they can get behind our stories. And I think that's why women like, you know, Ronda Rousey have had success and the Bella Twins and, you know, m many other women in WWE that have done reality TV um, even, you know, Eva Marie, people could connect to her or relate to her or watch her or feel something from her in another way. And then it transfers over into WWE storyland. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I think that, you know, uh, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of women that I know who are just E people that, you know, watch E programming and they a hundred percent started watching wrestling because they connected with your guys' characters on Total Divas. When I ran my website, I had, I want to say, three different women who started writing for my site who all told me that Total Divas was their gateway into wrestling and then they discovered indie wrestling and you know went on from there and went down the rabbit hole so um yeah I completely agree with you that I think the characters that you guys were able to portray on Total Divas definitely helped suck some people in yeah and I love being able to show just all those layers I always tell the girls like don't be afraid to open up especially when you're in entertainment I know so many of us like you know, even girls that I work with now that are so talented, sometimes the struggle is opening up. They don't want to give everything away. They don't want to reveal too much of themselves. But I think that as I've grown older and matured more, like I'm so happy that I've been able to open up. And I, I've said that to the Bella Twins. I actually just, when I saw them at WrestleMania, I told them, I said, I think part of why it's so successful is that they've not, they haven't been afraid to share things that are relatable with people. I, I struggled with wanting to air my dad's funeral on Total Divas. Then I was like, wait, there are so many people that have dealt with a family member that not only, you know, my dad was struggling with Alzheimer's, um, but, you know, dying at 63 from a disease that's incurable. And then, you know, us sharing his journey, sharing that, you know, it was really hard to make that decision because I remember WWE being very like, 
you know, kind and respectful to me saying, you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to share it. We don't have to do this. And I thought, you know what? I think people and seeing my dad's passing and seeing what we went through and seeing us share his legacy and his journey. So many people related to me with that. I had an outpouring of people saying, it's because of you that I was able to look at my situation differently. And it was just this human connection. And, and I was so happy that my dad got that incredible send off where people could really feel and understand his journey, not just look at him as like, oh, another wrestling tragedy. And my dad went through so much before he died from a disease that was out of his hands. You know, so it was like reasons like that. I'm so grateful for that reality show that allowed me to share that story so that, again, people can connect to me, connect to our family, connect to what's real. Yeah, I totally understand. I totally relate with that. You know, my girlfriend uh, and I, during the pandemic, we moved in with her mom because her mom suffers from Alzheimer's and her dad was the one taking care of her. And when her dad passed away, we moved in because someone had to take care of her mom. And my girlfriend struggled with the exact same thing of like, do I talk openly about this? Because before that, she didn't really talk about her mom having Alzheimer's. It was kind of an internal struggle. It was something that she was still dealing with. And so um, when she started doing that and she saw how many people would, would open up to her and say, God, this really helps me with my situation and, yes. and realizing I'm not alone. I'm not the only person that deals with something like this. So um, honestly, you guys doing that on Total Divas and covering that has helped us to a certain degree yeah. in being prepared for this. So I, I'm one of those people. So I'm glad that you guys were able to, to cover that on there. No, and I know that I know you can personally relate to it too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, talking about your dad, you know, obviously – you come from a legendary wrestling family. Is wrestling something that you can remember wanting to do as far back as you can remember? Or did you kind of have to ease into the idea of becoming a wrestler? Well, my dad was very traditional. And my dad, he was around the wrestling business, WWE, when, you know, in the 80s, there was Wendy Richter. There was Fabulous, Mo Fabulous Moolah. There was Sensational Sherry. There was Miss Elizabeth. There, there weren't a lot of women. There was Luna Vachon. There just wasn't the market for women being in, in WWE, there just wasn't a lot. So when my dad, you know, discovered that I wanted to, to wrestle and we talked about it and I said, you know, this is something I really want to do. I was uh, 18 at the time, roughly. And um, I had just finished graduating high school and it was just something that I really wanted to try because I had always been in, I always had had an interest in sports and theatrics. I was into acting and I just thought, you know, this could be really fun. But my dad growing up really sheltered us from it. We had never attended, as kids, we never attended a WrestleMania. We weren't allowed to go backstage. My dad felt it was very much a man's world. And he, and he just really tried to shelter his three daughters from it. He just felt like backstage wasn't a place for kids and none of little girls. But as, as like WWE evolved and as the women's evolution evolved and as more women became a part of it, like Trish Stratus was one of the women that inspired me to want to be a WWE superstar because I saw her and I was like, she's beautiful, she's blonde, she's Canadian, she's athletic. I remember her wrestling through a broken nose. I was like, this is cool, like I want to do this. And I just kind of got a bug for it. And I, and I had been around it my whole life, but always sheltered from it. Like my dad just didn't want us, didn't want us to get hurt and, um, and then once I showed him that I could handle it, my dad was like my biggest fan. He, his whole office is like pictures of us, pictures of Brett, pictures of me from my career. It's like he, he ended up becoming like my biggest cheerleader. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's crazy. So wait, okay, wait, go back a little bit. You didn't get to go backstage your entire childhood? Not really, no. I mean, there, were, there was maybe one or two rare occasions, but not as a kid. 
Like I remember Brett bringing, you know, his kids. I remember the first fight that I ever had with TJ, who I'm now married to, obviously. <laughs> but I remember Owen. Owen Hart had TJ as his guest to a WrestleMania. And um, I remember being so upset and being like, he's not even family. He doesn't deserve that. And we, and TJ, Owen had TJ sitting first class. Owen really loved TJ. And TJ came from kind of an underprivileged background. And Owen just saw something really special in TJ and kind of took TJ under his wing and, and along with you know other family members like Brett and my uncle Davey boy. But I remember being so pissed off and so jealous of TJ because he got to be Owen's guest at WrestleMania. <laughs> so wait, then, okay, question. Were, when you were a kid, did they let you in on the fact that it was a work or did you kind of believe that what your dad was doing, what was totally a shoot? Well, my dad and my grandfather, my uncles, um, especially my grandfather, Stu, but they, they really tried to protect what we call kayfabe. Yeah. Like, like the baby faces weren't allowed to ride with the heels. My dad would never, ever, ever discuss storylines around us. You know, it was like my dad really tried to protect the business a lot from us. So for a long time, I remember actually, this is a great story. I remember being on the school bus with uh, Harry Smith, my cousin, um, who was formerly known as David Hart Smith in WWE. I remember there was a kid on the school bus that was fighting with me about Papa Shango's green slime coming out, the green mist, the green slime. The, and I was on the back of the school bus fighting with this kid saying wrestling is real. And you know, what my dad does is real. And like, I was in tears and Harry and I were both in tears. And I, I just remember this huge meltdown. The kid's parents talked to my parents. It was this big, huge, like dramatic situation, but I stood by it that whatever was going on with Papa Shango was totally real. <laughs> Cause that's what I thought. <laughs> so then when like Brett and Owen were feuding, you weren't let in on the fact. So did you think that like they were mad at each other for real? They tried to really keep it like Owen and Brett, even at the airports, they would go in, check in for a flight because they both lived in Calgary. They would try to fool everyone because they, they knew that the more everyone bought into the story, the more the more real the matches would be. So even at the airports, they would be pretending to like glare at each other and be rude to each other. And they were they loved it. They absolutely loved it. The family at that point, I was a little older, so I, I kind of had somewhat of a clue like, OK, maybe this is more entertainment. But our family, the Hart family, like very traditional about about protecting the business. So even yeah. now, sometimes, like, I, I feel like even with storylines that we had, you know, going back to Total Divas, like, I would feel bad about letting people in on things that were, like, part of the match or, like, there was one, one storyline where Naomi, like, kicked me too hard and I peed my pants in the ring. And, like, I was like, how could you do that? And, like, I, I was like, I don't want to shoot. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, like, let too many people in on the, the fact that what we do is, like, entertainment. But we... We've shared that with the world. It is entertainment. It's, you know, people know that what we do is real. Like I, at WrestleMania, like I got kneed so hard in the face by Shayna, who is a legit badass. When you're in the ring with Shayna, you got to bring it. And she and I have this magical chemistry, but she and I, when we go in there, we go at it pretty hard. And I got like her knee through my lip and, you know, it was, it was pretty rough, but like, I take pride in that. I felt like proud that like, damn, that was cool. Because I want people to understand that as much as we are entertainment, it's it's pretty real at the, at the same time. It's pretty real in the ring. Was your dad, did your dad have struggle with that as well? Because he was on Total Divas, as, uh, you know, when it was on TV and he was still alive. Uh, did he struggle with kind of letting down the kayfabe guard for the reality show cameras too? At first, yes. And then we would give, give him some fireball shots and then he'd be great. 
<laughs> but and I blame Lana for that. Lana would always give him the fireball shots. But but my dad at first, like he would, you know, I remember somebody wanting to write a book on my dad. A, a close friend wanted to write a book on my dad. And my dad was telling, and this is about six months before my dad died. And I will never forget this. The, the guy was a close friend of mine, but my dad didn't know who he was because my dad at that point in his life, he was, start, he was kind of starting to like not be as sociable. And the guy was asking about, the guy was asking my dad about personal stuff that happened in the locker rooms and stuff with the screw job. And my dad was like telling me, he's like, I can't tell this guy this stuff. He's like, this is like what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. He's like, I don't know if I want to write a book. And I said to my dad, I'm like, but daddy, it's good for you to share your story. And my dad was like, no, what happened in the locker room, it stays in the locker room. I can't tell anybody about that stuff. So he was very private, my dad. He didn't like to share, you know, share that kind of stuff. He felt like what happens in the trenches with the boys, like he doesn't want to, you know, because he was there for a lot of that. He was there for the screw job. He was there for all of it. How do you feel, though, about it? Like, just personally, you know, since you kind of are in the middle of that, I feel like the Hart family is notorious for wanting to keep that reality in wrestling. You know, uh, do you try and pass that along to some of the other women in the locker room because you're one of the veterans now of kind of like trying to keep some of that alive? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it's everything in WWE is very situational. You know, if we're filming a show or, you know, if it's, there's, there's all sorts of different situations and moments. If I'm in a storyline with someone, like an actual deep, seated feud i won't be posting pictures of us together as friends um but that's got to be us in a deep 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 storyline but like for example you know when the bella twins were um backstage at wrestlemania they're you know they're hall of famers now so i felt like when they asked all of us women to be you know they were like let's all get a group photo because they're celebrating our women's you know movement they're celebrating the women of the locker room for me that was great because like i love the twins we go way back and I didn't see it as something that was going to affect anybody's storylines or feuds. But like, for example, if I'm in a feud or a storyline with Ruby Riot or Liv Morgan, I'm not going to post pictures of myself hugging them and, you know, us laughing. It's just about being situational. So, again, we celebrated the twins and how amazing that moment was. But we weren't like everybody that was looking at that picture was like, you know, wait, Natalia and Nia Jax or it was it's something different. So you just have to look at things and use your common sense and be, be it's all situational. Yep, that makes sense. Well, you, in my opinion, are a first ballot Hall of Famer when the time comes, just like the Bella Twins. I feel like you've done so much in WWE. Uh, you've been there for over a decade now. Um, and like I said, I don't have time to cover everything, but I want to take a look back at some of the other pivotal moments in your career to get your thoughts on them in retrospect, starting with your first Divas title win. How did you feel at that time, stepping away from the Hart Dynasty to do your own solo thing again? And what did you learn holding a title for the first time in WWE? When I loved being with the Heart Dynasty because it was family, and of course that was the right fit. And at the time before the Heart Dynasty, I felt like I felt like I wasn't doing much in my own career because I, I debuted. I worked against Michelle McCool, and it was like as soon as my program, my three month program with Michelle McCool for the Divas Championship was done, I felt like I was kind of at a standstill in my career. And so what I learned very early on, and especially from like Brett being in the business, being very business savvy when one storyline ends or one, you know, something is over or this run is over, you got to keep on thinking about what's next. How can I take the momentum from something else and move forward? How can I keep reinventing? So that's been one of the greatest parts of my career is that I've had, I've, I've always been able to be resourceful about reinventing. So once, you know, I, I debuted, I did that storyline with Michelle, um, you know, it was fine, but it really, like, I felt like it, it, I just, I was at a standstill. So 
in doing the stuff with the Heart Dynasty, it was so much fun because I could, it was a natural fit. And TJ and Harry and I had so much fun together. But again, once we kind of ran the gamut with that, I needed to find a way to reinvent. And it was cool because while I was managing them, I was able to kind of be fresh for the Divas or for the, at the time it was the Divas division, but I was able to be fresh again for, to go back and compete with the women. So then, you know, when it was time for me to go back and compete with the women, I was ready to go. And I loved the stuff that we did for the, for the Divas championship, winning that first championship in WWE. I did it alongside my best friend, Beth Phoenix. And we had a great rivalry, finally, like a really cool rivalry. It was my first real rivalry in my career um, with Michelle and Layla and Lay Cool because they were the women that were front and center in the division. So it was really, it was just fun. And the stars aligned and I felt like that women's table match, the first ever women's table match, it really gave people a chance to see that like, not only am I a contender in the division, but I'm also um, somebody that, you know, I could rise to rise to the occasion and, and to really be a star for the division. So that was very special for me. Yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're trying to, step away and, and create a new thing for yourself, like you said, reinvent yourself. Um, is it something that you kind of just had to do on your own to kind of find yourself? Or is there someone behind the scenes that you worked with to kind of help find who you wanted to be on TV? In WWE, I leave, and I always say this to you know anybody that ever asks me, and maybe, I don't know, what, I don't know if this is the right thing to say or not, but I leave no stone unturned. You know, we have certain writers that we work with. We have certain producers that we work with. We have certain people that we work with. But at the end of the day, one of the one of the one of my most treasured things of working in WWE is at the end of the day, I know that when all else fails, I can always knock on Vince McMahon's door and I'll always say to him, Hey, I have an idea. What do you think? In my entire time of being in WWE. Vince has always made time for me being being as busy as he is and being, you know, in the position that he is. He's always heard me out. He's always listened, said yes, said no, said why he liked it, said why he didn't like it. But I always felt in that aspect. I always had a voice. So I would go through all the proper channels. Fit Finley was somebody that I would always bounce ideas off of. He was um, Fit Finley is, you know, a man that we owe so much of our women's evolution to because he really changed the game for how women competed in the ring. Um, and he taught so many iconic women in, in the industry from myself to Beth Phoenix to Trish Stratus, you know, a, a ton of women. So I would always bounce ideas off Fit Finley. I would bounce ideas off writers. But when I couldn't get answers, I, I would always be able, I've always been able to talk to Vince. And I know that takes time to build that kind of relationship, but it, it's always just been this like mutual understanding because Vince, under, Vince, Vince trusts, he trusts, you know, he trusts that I'm not going to, you know, let him down. But I also, I love that we can talk to a billionaire, you know, man that is running this global juggernaut. Like he's always, he's there. He's accessible if we need to talk to him. So that, that's been something that like I've, I've kept with me throughout my whole career. I, I don't abuse it, but when I, when I need to go to him, I, I know I can. And it, and it really helps drive some storylines in the sense that certain things in my career never would have happened without that aspect. Is there one that sticks out to you the most where it wouldn't have, where something in your career wouldn't have happened if you hadn't have talked to Vince like that? A ton. Um, I won't get into all of them, but I remember when I was kind of floundering after my feud with Michelle McCool and I just was at a standstill and I wasn't doing anything. I remember we were in Nashville and um, we were at the Bridgestone Arena, if, if I recall correctly, that's the name of the arena. And I remember just being so like, okay, I've got to make a change. Don't get frustrated. You can do this. Like, and I laid out this beautiful storyline and I asked Vince in Nashville, Hey, 
I would really love to be a team with Tyson Kidd and David Hart Smith. And at the time they were, at the time they were down in FCW working very closely with Dusty Rhodes. And they were just doing stuff kind of as a singles, as singles competitors. And I remember pitching that idea to Vince and Vince, long story short, he gave it a chance. And we ended up winning the tag team championships together and doing all this stuff with Brett. Tyson Kidd was a huge catalyst in Bret Hart coming back to WWE because he helped bridge the bond. He helped, sorry, he helped bridge. He, TJ helped bridge the relationship between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Not everybody knows that, but TJ was a huge catalyst in them speaking to each other. And there's just so many great things that came from us being part of the Hart dynasty. And that was really kind of a, an idea that I had. And I went to Vince with it and he gave it a chance. And anytime he gives me a chance, I always know that I have to hit a home run with it, with it because I don't want to let him down. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so cool that you made that happen, by the way. That's that's awesome because I loved that team back in the day. So uh, that that's very cool. And also, I feel like TJ doesn't get enough credit for low-key some of the stuff that he's done throughout the past, let's say, 10 years or whatever in WWE. I guess further because he helped with that as well. I feel like he's kind of been you know he was there for nxt and helped it launch he did that now he's training people working behind the scenes i mean he's someone who i definitely want to get on this show one day because i feel like he's one of those yeah. people who works in the shadows that you don't know but has been so pivotal in a lot of things and tj is um one of the most valuable one of the most valuable assets in wwe and i can say that with complete conviction because you know, he's been in the industry for 25 years. He had his first match when he was 15 years old. He's trained with some of the most prestigious trainers in the world. Um, a, a man named Tokyo Joe in Japan, that was TJ's coach. And he trained triple crown champions um, in Japan. And, and to train with Tokyo Joe is by invite only. And so TJ was invited to train with Joe. He actually helped come up with the Anaconda Vice with Tenzon. Um, that's where that move was invented, was with, with TJ. Crazy. So Tokyo Joe... They, uh, New Japan sent uh, Tenzan to train with Tokyo Joe. And um, I was just telling somebody the story the other day, but we don't talk about it a lot because it, it's just kind of one of those stories from the past. But New Japan sent Tenzan for training with Tokyo Joe. And then uh, TJ was the person that trained with Tenzan. And uh, that's where TJ and Tokyo Joe came up with the Anaconda Vice. And that's the move that Tenzan ended up using. But TJ's had this world-class training. And he, you know, unfortunately, his career ended in 2015 but what's so crazy about this and i never thought i'd be the one to say this what's so crazy is that everything leading up in tj's life up until like that point of his career it was all for what he is doing right now in wwe because he's never made more of an impact than he has right at this very moment in the company there's nothing in his career that has been as special as producing every single woman's match at wrestlemania was produced by tj 18 women were produced by TJ, which is a huge percentage of the show. TJ um, wanted the challenge. He took on the challenge, and he took. And you know, TJ doesn't talk about it. He hasn't tweeted about it. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to talk about it because TJ doesn't want to brag or boast. But I'm going to be the one to brag <laughs> for him. Um, he took on all those matches, and he's become such a huge um, resource for the women of WWE. And, you know, he, he spent, you know, 20, 30 plus hours training and, and practicing and preparing with any woman in the company and, and men as well, but women that wanted to pick his brain and tap into that knowledge. And what, what we saw at WrestleMania this year was unbelievable. The most women's matches in WrestleMania history, a historical main event with Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks, 
And of course, you know, one of my favorite matches of my entire career with myself and Tamina Snuka versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. And that was all such a big part, for, partly from TJ. He, he, he just made so much happen. He had a vision for everyone. And again, a lot of people behind the scenes don't get credit, but on TJ's days off, he trains. He trains people to be better at what they do in the ring. And he's not asking for money. He's not getting a thank you for it. He's not asking for public posts. He's just doing it because he loves the business. So wait, that training thing that you guys have been doing, you guys just started that on your own, just out of love for the business. You're just invite only type training center, basically. Because I've seen what you guys have been doing there. I've seen that you've had lots of people there. Uh, I, I think it's really cool. So is that something that you think he'll continue to do? So over the summer, you know, TJ and I, like for a long time, we had had a dream of opening up our own wrestling school. Like even when TJ was uh, an active WWE superstar, we always had a dream of it because we just love teaching we love being around the industry we love learning we just love it and uh during the pandemic we didn't have live events we didn't have a place to go other than just going to smackdown and raw each week we didn't have a ring so you know we 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 found a way to get a ring and we got a warehouse we just rented a little warehouse you know not too far from our house and we put the ring in there it's it's literally just a, a warehouse and a ring and there's so much passion in that building. And there was weeks that, you know, Sasha Banks would drive, drive two hours to come train with me on Monday night. And we would set a timer and literally, and, and when I'm speaking about passion, I think Sasha needs to be recognized because for no reason, even when she didn't have the match with Bianca at WrestleMania, this is way before that. Once TJ and I got our ring, she would drive in, you know, a couple hours and we would get in the ring privately. Nobody would be around. And we would set a timer and we would we set ourselves, our goal was to wrestle for one hour straight. And we would turn the timer on and for, we, we built up to 45 minutes straight, just nonstop wrestling. Like imagine a 45 minute women's match. We did that nonstop, not a break, not a water break, not a bathroom break, just go. Because she has so much passion, but without our ring during this pandemic, it's hard to find the resources to get to do that. So to be able to provide someone like Sasha, like, you know, to get in there and be like, hey, Let's get in there and roll around. And then you just rediscover your passion for it during such a hard time for everyone when we all we all wanted to throw ourselves into our careers, but we didn't have the places to do that because it wasn't safe. You know, all these public rings and stuff, it's not it's not always safe. We can't get COVID and go to work. You know, we have to if you if you get COVID, you can't go to work. So WWE had to be so strict about like a lot of that stuff with us, which is totally understandable. But the ring allowed us a resource to help other people. And it, it is by invite only, um, but I love that because I really wanna be with people that share the same passion as me. I wanna train with them. I wanna learn from them. I wanna pick their brains and you know just grow as much as I can. And it's really cool doing that with people like Sasha who, who love the industry. When Tamina Snuka has been coming in there. We've been working on tag stuff. Uh, everybody's seen the changes in Lana. You know, Lana was somebody that she'll come in, fly in from LA and just train. You know, and it's nice because she wants to grow and learn and what better way to learn than to be, you know, able to get that from people like myself and TJ who have that knowledge to pass on. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You guys literally trained, you guys, you guys have the dungeon blood running through you guys. So absolutely. Does it, does it have a name? Do you, did you guys officially name it something? I, I always just call it the dungeon. That's uh, the what dungeon I would assume, yeah. Because the dungeon was originally from Cal in Calgary in the north. Um, 
where my family lives, but like, we just call it the dungeon and it's, it's awesome. You know, it's like, I'm just so lucky to be able to have our own ring because I, I, I go there all the time and I just work on things. And the other night we were working on, uh, just, so we were working on headlock takeovers for like three hours. And it's like, gosh, I thought I knew, like, I thought I, you know, it's, it's easy. It's a basic thing, but then all of a sudden you rediscover it. And I just, I just love it. It's awesome. Did you guys film any of those 45 minute matches that you and Sasha were doing? We, we may have some of those on tape, um, <laughs> but I, I bring it up because like Sasha doesn't need to, you know, both of us have a lot of experience. We don't need to have a 45 minute match. Yeah, but, but I know that all her, I know that the diehard wrestling fans, I, I had to ask because I know that's gonna be one of those hidden gems that people are gonna wanna see one day of like a 45 minute match called on the fly between Natty and Sasha with no fans present. I think that's super cool. That's one of those things I'm gonna wanna see on a documentary one day. Well, and, and Sasha is so great about like, you know, she, like, I just love her passion. And I, and like I said, you know, we're not two girls that necessarily need all the reps, but we do, we do it because we love it. And it's just so, it's so much fun to collaborate with someone that has that kind of passion. And, you know, you saw that passion in her match at WrestleMania against Sasha Banks. You know, you saw that like the light bulb went off for her. You, you saw that she's been, I, I always say like, you don't want to, you know, prepare for something you know, always be ready because you never know when those moments are going to come at any given moment you can be you know given an opportunity and you need to be ready for it it's kind of like when I was training with Ronda Rousey you know we would train together and we would grapple together we would chain wrestle together we'd work on wrestling together so that one day we literally walked into work and they were like you and Ronda have a match tonight and you know it was like all that hard work met that opportunity and we were ready to go but that was so much fun and so magical to do that with someone and to be able to bring someone up to that level. It was like, again, a really cool moment for me in my career. You know, I know you and Rhonda are close. How happy were you to see that she announced that she's pregnant today? Oh, I'm really happy for Rhonda. I know that's something that even before her WWE run, um, you know, before she main evented WrestleMania, she's always wanted to be a mom. And I think that, you know, it's just so special for her and her husband, Travis. And, you know, she, it's just like been a, been a journey for her to get to where she is right now and you know it's not easy for women to you know pregnancy sometimes doesn't happen easily for for women so she's been wanting this for a long time and I'm so happy for her and you know the sky is the limit for Rhonda she can come in and do whatever she wants to do as far as taking the world by storm as a mom you know obviously we'd still love to have her back in WWE but like this is something that is a once in a lifetime opportunity that you know is going to change her life and her family's life forever so I'm very happy for her would you say your match in Saudi Arabia was one of your proudest moments as a wrestler it definitely was um for for many reasons um you know when I found out about that match I found out um from Vince McMahon he's you know it was something that and I think this is worth recognizing that it was something that was very hard for the company to do because we were really opening up a door that had never been opened before. But when WWE first started working with, you know, doing our shows in Saudi Arabia, I had expressed out of the gate, I want to be the first woman to wrestle in Saudi Arabia. I want to do this. I want to change. I want to change the course of history. I want to, you know, move women forward in a different way. Again, open that door that had never been opened before. And when Vince gave me that opportunity with Lacey, I knew it was something, he said that to me. He said that this was very, very hard to do. And that they, you know, it was something that was such a huge honor for them to do with us in Saudi Arabia. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. 
And um, it just gave me such an incredible perspective of why we do what we do so that we can inspire women and, and people, not just women, but people all over the world that it's always impossible until it's done. And um, yeah, that, that match with Lacey was just so special because before the match, Lacey was on the phone with her little daughter. And I will always remember that. It actually makes me emotional talking about it because, you know, she was having this little heart to heart with her daughter and telling her daughter how much she loved her and how proud she was of her daughter. And her daughter was telling her mom the same thing. And, you know, it's again about inspiring women to want to be strong and brave and powerful and to change the world. And, and that's what we did. And like, I could see it in Lacey's daughter. I could see it in the women that were sitting front row. You could just feel it. And it's something that will net, you know, we could, we, we changed, we changed things for the better. And, and I did that through WWE and, and of course through their platform. So it was just an indescribable experience. I mean, it's gotta be cool for you just in general for to see where WWE has grown. You know, you started there where there was a divas division and uh, now women are main eventing WrestleMania. So, you know, seeing female empowerment and you being such a part of that, being like a backbone of that, that's gotta feel good for you as just a person of like, man, that's so cool to inspire people because you know in like 15 years from now, there's going to be so many women who who are wrestlers saying that you guys are the ones that inspired them to get in the ring. That's got to feel cool inside, right? It's a great feeling. And also, it's a, you know, my story is one of perseverance because yeah, I was in the, in the company when women weren't always front and center. You know, I was doing a storyline with the great Kali. And, and why Kali and I are such friends today is because when I was doing that storyline with him, the truth is, is that the women weren't getting very long matches. We weren't, you know, we weren't getting much. And it was just a different generation back then. And Kali always made sure that I was included. Even when I wasn't a part of the story, even that, you know, there were certain days where I wasn't supposed to walk to the ring with him. He always made sure that I was a part of it. And I was struggling for TV time, just struggling to feel recognized, struggling to fit in, struggling to be noticed. Because back then, if you weren't the champion and you weren't the challenger, you weren't on TV. So it was really hard. And like, there were some times where like, I felt like, gosh, like, you know, I remember in 2013, I was going back to school and I was like, I don't know, I don't know where I even fit in anymore because I felt, again, there was just these lulls that you can have in your career where it's easy to feel like, you know, do, do I want to throw the talent? Am I good enough? Is this what I meant to be doing? And it, you can really get in your own head when your only focus is your job. And then I was invited to go to Rwanda and I worked with United Nations and I went to Rwanda and we went, it was myself and Alicia Fox. We went and uh, visited two different refugee camps in Rwanda, visited with over 30,000 refugees that were like fighting for their lives wow. and that were in hiding. And it was just this like incredible experience being able to give them, you know, really like life-saving life supplies that they needed to live. Yep. And I remember when I got home from that trip, I went to Raw. And Triple H pulled me aside and he said, hey, you know, we picked you to be a part of this new reality show that we're doing with E. Um, and you were picked by the chairman to do the show. And he's like, it's going to be called Total Divas. And I remember like just a few months before that, I was like at my wits end feeling like I didn't belong and feeling frustrated. And I, I'm only telling the story because that show, Total Divas, it changed the course of my career. It allowed people to know me, learn about me, understand me in a way that they never had before. It gave me a different type of equity that helped me for the rest of my career. But I also learned to never stop fighting. 
because there's going to be ups and downs in the industry. Look at the greatest, look at the greatest superstars of all time. Look at, you know, I watched Steve Austin's biography the other night on A&E, which by the way, if you haven't checked out that biography on Steve Austin, I would suggest doing so because you really see that Steve Austin was somebody that maybe shouldn't have made it, but he didn't stop. He persevered, he fought tooth and nail and he did, he didn't give up. And, you know, at one time it was like, well, we don't really know what we're going to do with him. Can you imagine telling Stone Cold Steve Austin that you don't really know what you're going to do with him? Again, Crazy. it's like, I love those kind of stories because it, it gives everyone hope that if you fight for something and you strive for something and you excel at something and you don't give up, your dreams can come true. Yeah, absolutely. That's honestly, that's why I wanted you on here because I, I am fully of that mentality of just keep pushing keep doing what you want to do and and keeping true to yourself and the right things will follow and i think that's that really has happened with you i think that you know you yeah. did persevere through a very difficult time in wwe for women and now you're thriving you know now you've got yeah. all these different things going on you're considered a legend of the of the women's division i i so i i'm glad to hear you say all that because i think that's important well, for some people to hear when that when when you get to that moment of just like not giving up and that's why I really, you know, I, I chose Tamina Snuka to be with me. I, I approached her and I said, listen, you know, I, I want you, I want us to be a team because there is nobody here in this locker room that understands my journey as much as you do. Growing up in a crazy wrestling family, you know, Tamina Snuka and I, we, we, Tamina and I have grown up in, you know, we're generational babies. And you think about like, you know, you think about Stephanie, the generational baby, uh, Roman, um, Shane McMahon, like there's a lot of really great superstars in WWE are generational kids. And it's actually harder. It's harder to be a generational kid because you just have these expectations about you that, you know, I was so scared of my first match in Japan that people wouldn't like me because I wasn't like Bret Hart. And then I realized that I didn't have to be Bret Hart. I could be my own natty. And I could blaze my own trail, but I could still pay homage to the people that came before me. You know, and I still pay homage all the time to Brett, to Owen, to Davey, to Dynamite, to my dad, to my grandfather, Stu Hart, and Tamina. You know, she is somebody that I feel like, to be perfectly honest, I feel like she's been the diamond in the rough. She's been kind of in the shadows because she's sweet, she's nice, she's caring, she's giving, but she has never fully put herself first. And I told Tamina, I said, it is now your time to get in front of the line. It is your time to kick ass. It is your time to show everybody that you are here at the, at the top of your game, doing things that nobody ever thought you could do, like slamming, body slamming Nia Jax at WrestleMania, which is something that no other woman in WWE has ever done. And, and Tamina is so special. And, and, you know, Tamina was actually one of the worldwide trends in WWE during WrestleMania. She got some of the loudest reactions <laughs> between both nights of WrestleMania because people felt her story. They felt her journey. They felt her energy. And that was so organic. That's Daniel Bryan WrestleMania energy. Dude, I was in that crowd and I remember it started off, some people in that crowd were ready to to be rude fans and start booing right away. I heard like a few CM Punk chants and I was like, oh, come on. By the end of that match, that crowd was insane. You guys had that place going crazy and the whole place chanting, this is awesome. The, the, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, I love that Natty and Tamina turned this crowd around and they're now getting this is awesome chance and getting one of the biggest reactions of the whole show from the crowd, at least. Uh, I loved it. It was so cool to be in that again. Do you think like, you know, over the past year, 
you know, you've only had social media to, to as like a barometer yeah. of what the fans like. Was it crazy for you just to hear the place going insane for you guys like that again? It was, it was, I was having an out of body experience. Tamina <laughs> and I were like, we were just like so freaked out. We, we got, we were in the moment so much in the match. Like even just watching Tamina step through the ropes, she was like, I'm a bad bitch and I'm here to like, <laughs> she was in it. She was, we, we felt that energy from the fans. It was like an, I can't even explain it, Ryan. It was like an out of body experience. And even when the match was over, I had like this hole through my lip and like Nia Jax was like a luchador that night. She was flying all over the place. Shayna Baszler was knocking people like Shayna, Shayna, Shayna brought it. I, I was like, I, Shayna kind of put the fear of God in me in that match. I was like, okay, okay. Shayna can go. After the match, I came. We came backstage, and I could not stop crying. And Tamina could not stop crying. We were both like bawling our eyes out because we just felt like we felt the magic, and we haven't had that. The people, our fans, the WWE universe—they are ride or die with us. They are ride or die. They didn't care that there was rain. They didn't care. They they literally were like they we never missed a beat because that's how our WWE fan base is with us, and it got to us so much emotionally that. Triple H literally looked at me and Tamina and he's like, are you guys okay? And he thought like I was crying because I was hurt. And I was like, no, I'm just so emotional because of the people and the fans and the energy and the match. And like, I just, it was just so symbolic. And I said actually to, I said that to, to the girls backstage, I said, the rain was meant to be. It's all meant to be. Everything happened as it should have happened because the rain was symbolic of, it doesn't matter if there's rain. It doesn't matter if there is a hurricane. Our fans, our WWE Universe, they're part of our show. And they're going to sit in the rain and be sopping wet and freezing cold to watch us do what we love. And we're going to wrestle through the rain, even if we slip, even if we slide, even if we fall down, even if we get our teeth knocked out. We have their backs and they have ours. So that's why this WrestleMania was just so special for so many reasons. Like, it was just so symbolic of, like, perseverance. So I like to end all my first time interviews talking with my guests about their finishing moves. For you, that's obviously the sharpshooter. So first tell me, what's the most memorable sharpshooter you ever did on someone? Ooh, I would have to say the most memorable would be the very first time that anyone has ever put somebody in the sharpshooter, two people in the sharpshooter at the same time. So the first time I ever put two women in the sharpshooter at the same time was the first time it's ever been done. It was against Laycool. And it was in our first ever women table match in WWE. And I was like, oh my God, it, was, it wasn't easy. It took a lot of like, it took a lot of like coordination because it's two people <laughs> yeah. stacked and it's, it's a lot of timing. But like, it was so cool when we did it because it had never been done. So that was one of the most special sharpshooters that I've ever done. Second, who's your favorite person to put in the sharpshooter? <laughs> Ooh, um my favorite person to put in the sharpshooter would have to be Charlotte Flair because her legs are long and she's it's just perfect. When the longer your legs, the better it is. <laughs> the easier it is to tie you up. <laughs> That's one of the things I didn't get to cover here, but your guys' match at TakeOver, I feel like, is one of those underrated takeover matches that people don't give enough credit to helping launch the brand. I know it wasn't the first special, but it was the first takeover. And I feel like that match yeah. really helped put NXT on the map uh, for the women's division following the Paige and Emma match. Yeah, and that, and that you know, match still gets talked about so much today, even five, six years later, um, because it was like, 
you know, we saw the Emma Page match, which was phenomenal, but a lot of people were like, can the women keep up with that? Because Paige and Emma really set the tone. So for the very first ever takeover to be a part of that match, I remember being asked about it and if I would like to do it. And of course I jumped at the opportunity to go to NXT because I could see the up and coming women that were training there and doing their thing. And I could also see that Triple H was kind of shifting gears as far as how women were being utilized. And so I jumped at the opportunity to do it. And again, going back to Triple H, I think he's been somebody that's been very helpful in, in kind of giving women more opportunities as far as showcasing what they can do. We see that at NXT a lot. Uh, he doesn't necessarily treat the women like they're, okay, these are women, they're going to get this moment. He treats talent like talent. If you're talented and you're good, you're going to get an opportunity. And he uh, he said to me before the match, or you know, when we were talking about everything that day, I asked him how much time we had. Because normally when you have matches, you get a time limit. So yeah. you'll get 15 or, you know, you'll, you'll get a time limit. He was the first person in the only, and to this day, it's been the only moment in my career this has ever happened. But Triple H said, you don't have a time limit. Do your thing. <laughs> Just do what you want to do. And I remember being like, I don't have a time limit. And we ended, Ashley and I, Charlotte and I ended up having this long, beautiful match because there was no handcuffs on us. We literally did what we needed to do and tell the story that we needed to tell. And we brought raw emotions, passion. You know, it was a very simple match and it was very easy to understand. There wasn't even a long build for it. There was like one video that we filmed, you know, of us, the, the build was, it was the simple story that everybody understood. And it was me trying to show that I had always had this inside of me. I was just waiting for the right moment to be able to showcase my abilities. And then for Charlotte Flair, it was her showing hey, I'm not just Ric Flair's daughter. I'm, I'm good too. And I, des I deserve to be here and I belong here. And it just showed everyone, we just showed everyone that with the opportunity and with that, you know, with two women that wanted to work their asses off, we, we got to make magic. And, and again, I bring up Triple H not giving us the time limit because I don't know if that match could have been as good as it was had we gotten 10 minutes or 12 minutes. It needed the time. And we might not have gotten that time anywhere else. Yeah, and, and it definitely helped uh, continue the trend, like I said, of Emma and Paige. I think you guys definitely kept it going. So uh, absolutely. Well, yeah, I and then you saw Sasha and Becky and other women that came after that. And I remember Sasha telling me, she's like, after I watched you versus Charlotte, she's like, I wanted to do that. It inspired other women in the division to go, I want to do that. I want to be better than that. I, I watched Sasha versus Bianca at WrestleMania, and I was like, I want to have a better match than that. And, and it wasn't like out of, it wasn't coming from a place of anger, but I love that com competition. I love that, that like energy of be like, and, and Sasha's like that too. I want to top that. I want to top that. I want to be better. Like we all want to be better and better and better and better. And that's how the division is going to keep growing is to continue to strive for greatness. Absolutely. It's kind of like the, the women in WWE almost remind me of like the directors of movies in the 70s where there was like this time period in the 70s where you had all these legendary directors that were like in their prime and they were all like, well, he made The Godfather. I got to do this. I got to do that. And they were all trying to like one up each other to make a better movie. And, uh, and, exactly. and I feel like that's kind of how you guys are. It's not like um, there's not animosity. It's more just you guys all wanting to push each other to grow the division so that you guys can continue to main event WrestleMania and stuff like that. So I love that you guys do yeah. that. Yes. Uh, lastly, what's one time you did the sharpshooter that you wish you could take back for whatever reason? Ooh, um... 
there was a time that I put Tyson Kidd, my husband, in a sharpshooter, and it's gone. It's got like an image that's literally gone viral of me like tapping him out. And TJ's like, "Gosh, I don't know why you have to put me in the sharpshooter. Like of all the things you could have done, it was yeah, it was when I put Tyson in the sharpshooter. I was like, you know what? I look kind of like a jerk. <laughs> I'm like, sometimes you just need to let TJ be TJ and stop trying to be the best. But I always say to TJ, when I'm right, I'm right, and when I'm wrong, I'm still right. And so that's why our relationship has worked this long. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for giving me the time today. I really appreciate it. I could talk to you for another hour, I, but I, I can't take up your whole entire day. I really appreciate you being the first woman on my Out of Character show, and I, I couldn't have done it with a better guest. So thank you, really. I appreciate you giving oh, me the time today. Thank you so much. I had such a nice time chatting, and uh, thank you so much for letting me share my, my stories. Of course, of course. We'll have you back on, because there's, the, there's a lot more to talk about. So in the future, I want you back on. I want, some, I want to talk about some more of these things. Okay, thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. Well, that was my interview with Natty. I, man, I love that. I think Natty is such a nice person. I'm a total Divas fan. I'm a Heart Family fan. So I loved hearing all those stories. I didn't know that she didn't get let in on the wrestling secret until she was older. I think that is so cool. I love that that they the fam the Heart Family really kept it to heart like that. Okay. Make sure you guys. Make sure you subscribe to Out of Character on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you subscribe to the show. And while you're there, please leave a rating or a review. It helps me out a lot if you guys do that. It pushes it up the charts. It makes it so more people can find this show. So please make sure you guys keep doing that. To those of you who have already done it, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. We'll be back soon. Oh, and make sure if you want to watch the video versions of these shows you do that on the youtube channel that's the wwe on fox youtube channel and make sure you also follow wwe on fox on all social media platforms as well okay that's it i'm done officially tapping out for now until next time i'm ryan satin and this is out of character for the best stories easy to find scores and comprehensive team pages plus access to every live fox sports game and exclusive bonus cameras Download the all-new Fox Sports app now.